guys, enough with these skinhead white supremacist Nazis in the White House. We've got yet another one. I mean, this one happens to be Jewish. Uh, his name is Stephen Miller. But I mean, he's so radical, I don't know what to make of it. He wants no immigration for several years. You know, just like what most of the American people want. You know, so that people can assimilate. What a concept. You want people to adapt to our values? It's almost like, it's almost like restricting immigration is what Donald Trump ran on in 2016. And now they're comparing Miller's writings to Hitler. Everyone you disagree with is Hitler. Everyone's a white supremacist. Everyone's a Nazi. And let me add, is it so much to ask that the right doesn't fall into these traps as well? So a cache of leaked emails from Stephen Miller got into the hands of the Southern Poverty Law Center. You know, the honest people there. The hate mongering machine who smears good people to advance their depraved authoritarianism. We'll get to what was actually said in a sec. But first, a message from our sponsor, NetSuite. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. It's that simple. The problem growing businesses have is that they have a giant obstacle that stops them from knowing their numbers because they have all of these different business systems. I've dealt with it myself. You've got one system for accounting, another system for your sales, another system for your inventory, then another for your workflow, another for so on and so forth. It takes up too much of your time and you could be using that time to grow your bottom line, not fiddling around on the computer doing managerial nothing. So NetSuite by Oracle handles every aspect of your business in an easy to use cloud platform, giving you the visibility and control you need to grow. With NetSuite, you save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, and accounting, orders, and HR right from your desktop or even your smartphone. It's why NetSuite is the number one cloud business system in the world. Right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com slash WHB. That's netsuite.com slash WHB to download your free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits, netsuite.com slash WHB. All right. So the media is trying to paint Stephen Miller as a racist because he actually believes in the president's agenda and the one that the American people voted on. The White House is throwing its weight behind a senior aide who has been proven to traffic in white supremacist articles. President Trump's chief speechwriter and immigration policy advisor was found to have pushed stories from white nationalist websites. Just before joining the Trump campaign, Miller emailed the right-wing website Breitbart some 900 times, obsessively trying to influence their immigration coverage by sending articles by white nationalist sites like V-Dare and American Renaissance, which are dedicated to making America white again. <laughs> okay. Now, VDARE is a controversial website that the media has labeled as racist, though VDARE vehemently denies being white nationalist or anything of the sort. It's a site that opposes mass immigration and therefore has put together a loose coalition of writers who believe in reducing and right now putting a moratorium on immigration. They have published articles from all different people, race, ideological stripes, and they've even published articles from progressives. 
The reason why they've opened themselves up to being called a white nationalist publication is because Peter Brimlow admits to publishing articles from Jared Taylor, who was a self-described white advocate in the sense that he, quote, unashamedly works for their people, white people, exactly as La Raza works for Latinos and the Anti-Defamation League works for Jews. Now, whatever you may think of Taylor, it is true that whites are the only group of people who are not allowed to have groups that protect the interests of their people. I mean, what about the NAACP? Are they racist? Not from what I hear. What about CARE? Are they racist? No, those are all fine and dandy. Every group is allowed to look after itself except for whites. Now, Jared Taylor founded and edited a publication called American Renaissance, which is the other publication that Stephen Miller linked to that everyone is having a conniption fit over. He linked to an article in it to highlight statistics on race and violent crime, since no one else seems to want to talk about that. In 2015, the DOJ finally decided to put Hispanics in a different category than whites. You know, not everybody is a white Hispanic like George Zimmerman. So they put Hispanics in a different category than whites as an offender category. And American Renaissance happened to report on this data. And so Stephen Miller sent it around. I mean, what do you do? What do you do when the mainstream outlets aren't reporting on the important data about the connection between immigration and race and crime? Because they have an agenda to push that shows immigration is great for crime. And the left loves to link race and crime together. White police officers are killing black people. Black people are being killed in record numbers in the streets, innocent black people. So obviously the left cares about race and crime. So we need the data to be able to counter their phony points. But when the mainstream media isn't willing to put that data out there, well, you gotta look elsewhere. And unfortunately in this case, it was the American Renaissance. So perhaps if other news outlets would do their fricking jobs, people wouldn't have to look to these racially motivated outlets to get their data. I mean, for those of us who have been trying to obtain crime statistics about immigrants in America, you know it's nearly impossible because the government does not collect data about immigrant crime. All we know is that about half of immigrants living in the United States are from Mexico and other Latin American countries. So this SPLC article also cites Stephen Miller's support for Calvin Coolidge's 1924 immigration law, which lowered immigration levels and put in place quotas for about a half a century. And the leftists are upset because their mantra forever has been, we've been letting in immigrants in for centuries and it's worked out great. Of course, we are a nation of immigrants. How do we know that? How do we know that? Or seriously, how do we know that? B because the government has barely collected any numbers on it. What we do know, according to the Government Accountability Office in 2018, from 2018, is that in 2016, there were 39,500 criminal aliens in federal prisons. Almost all of them were from Mexico, Honduras, El Salvador, Dominican Republic, Colombia, and Guatemala. In 2015, there were 169,300 criminal aliens in state prisons and local jails. Well, that doesn't tell us how many of those were legal immigrants. So either way, Given the number of people we know coming from Mexico in the Northern Triangle, race is a helpful indicator when government is so reluctant to provide any adequate information on crime and immigrants. But we're in a time now where pointing out facts, if they don't fit your narrative, is blasphemous. We're not allowed to tackle these hard issues. But no one said that crime and immigration 
was an easy issue. If it were such an easy issue to tackle, it would have been done long ago. But there are a lot of special interests involved. That's why we're not even able to figure out how many illegal immigrants we have living in the country. 11 million. And all of these special interests are both on the left and the right. You've got people on the so-called right over at the Washington Examiner, a nominally conservative publication, a writer named Tiana Lowe says it is high time for Trump to dump Miller. Her reasoning? Trump's unwillingness to cave on DACA in exchange for the border wall funding. She writes, the only concession Republicans had to make was to permanently and constitutionally protect 800,000 deferred action for childhood arrivals recipients, that is DACA recipients. Americanized immigrants brought here illegally as children through no fault of their own. Careful there, Tiana. You're starting to sound a little bit like AOC. And yet she continues. But the single most prominent obstacle to this deal proved to be Trump's senior advisor, Stephen Miller. The evil Stephen Miller. Miller's intransigence cost Trump what leverage he had from DACA, and Trump got no deal. Well, yeah, because DACA recipients commit crimes at alarming rates. Many of them are repeated criminals, and yet they get to renew their DACA status. And still from the very beginning, they had no constitutional right to be here. So why would Trump compromise on the Constitution to achieve something that the people he's negotiating with used to believe in, i.e. border security? The problem with Stephen Miller is not his immigration hawkishness. The problem with Stephen Miller, from what I hear, is that he's a political survivalist, meaning he wants to keep his position in the Oval Office. And often he lets that get in the way of affecting policy. That's not good. That's a problem. But the problem with Stephen Miller are not articles he shares about demographics or immigrations. This is nothing more than a liberal smear campaign because the Democrats are starting to realize that Trump is actually serious about getting his immigration policies done. According to Breitbart, U.S. Customs and Border Protection officials announced the construction start of eight miles of a new border wall barrier system in the nation's busiest sector. The construction project covers eight miles of the Rio Grande border where no barrier currently exists. So, I mean, eight miles, at least it's a start. But we are not going to accomplish this agenda by being politically correct, by sharing the wrong articles by sharing good information because it's from outlets that the left deems to be unsavory. We are not going to accomplish this agenda by compromising with the left who openly now is admitting they want open borders. We are not going to accomplish this agenda by falling for the trick that everything you disagree with is racist. Yes, some things are racist, but most of the time it's a conspiracy proliferated by people trying to silence you and paint your views as far outside the mainstream so that your ideas and policies never materialize. And if we play into their hands, we lose the battle. Look, we just lost the battle in Kentucky. We just lost the battle in Virginia. We just lost the battle in Louisiana over the weekend. All of this stuff ties together with immigration and demographics. And if we lose enough of these battles because of what the left is trying to do to this country, then we will lose the country altogether. It is entirely possible to have a reasonable discussion about mass migration and immigration without being racist. In fact, 
These conversations happen often in the conservative movement. Here's a video from Will Witt from PragerU talking about the forced migration in Europe that is literally ruining, destroying the continent. Open border policies are destroying Europe. And the left claims if you say something against that, you're a racist. This mass immigration to Europe is not a melting pot of culture. These people are not assimilating. It is forced multiculturalism that is destroying Europe. Will Witt joins me now. Will, it's great to be with you. What's going on, guys? How's it going? It's going well. So, Will, tell me this. You say it's forced multiculturalism. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that the import, the mass migration of migrants in Europe is not really going well for them. Oh, it's not. It's definitely not. I mean, look at the UK. Right now you have knife crime is up, gun crime is up, acid attacks uh, are up, you have vehicle crime is up, robbery is up, rape is up. All of these crimes are up in the UK since this this uh, explosion of immigration. And then they, they had an interview with Sadiq Khan, you know, the, the loser mayor over there. Yeah, and, he said, and he said it's more safe now than ever. Even after presented with all these facts, it's more safe now than ever. There are people in the UK, Somalians who have immigrated there, who are literally sending their kids back to Somalia because they say it's safer there than it is in London. So, I mean, you can just see how these policies are going for them. Uh, I, there's a machete attack every 90 minutes in the UK, every 90 minutes. And the mayor of London has the gall. <laughs> has the temerity to get up there and say that it's safer than ever. The numbers prove otherwise, and the people of the UK are noticing it. 55% of the people in the UK support a full burqa ban, and that number is actually higher in Sweden. In the United States, I think it's less than 26%, because in the UK and in Europe and in Sweden and in Germany, they know what happens when you take mass amount of migrants who aren't assimilated and just put them into the, to the countries and have them live and they don't respect the culture, they don't wanna be a part of the culture, and they bring a completely different culture and the people who actually used to live there, the people who used to be inhabitants of that land who are now having it taken over, are starting to realize this isn't fun for us. We don't know the dangers of that yet. And so I think we're a little bit naive to it. And I think when you have all these politicians and they're both on the left and the right saying that, you know, we need to take in all these refugees and the, you know, the more immigrants, the better and the more refugees, the better. Don't realize the danger that that actually means for our country. Oh, yeah, it's totally destroying the country. And, it, and it's you have the elitist politicians who are saying someone like Macron in France, who said, you know, immigration is France's destiny. And you got Angela Merkel, who said, you just have to understand the migrants commit more crimes. So they sit there in their high palaces and, and they don't have to worry about what is happening to the actual normal people living in these European countries. I mean, you can go down streets in London right now and you will find sex segregated gyms and there's crime and there's migrant camps set up everywhere. And you'll see Pakistani flags and flags from other uh, countries where these people migrated from, but you won't see any flags from the UK in any of these places. They're trying to destroy the culture there. They don't want to be a part of of European culture or assimilate or work with these people. They want to completely destroy it and change it so that they can have their way. A lot of people, you know, Donald Trump is constantly called an anti-Semite. Conservatives now are, are called anti-Semites. I want to talk about Paris because you brought Paris up and Macron saying what Macron said about it. And you talk about Jews in Paris, and you talked about this in your video, that is it 40% of the attacks, that 40% that of hate crimes committed against Jews alone are from Muslims? Yeah, so 40% of the hate crimes in uh, France or Paris, I believe, are against Jews, and they only make up 1% of the population. 
So you can see how these people that are coming in here um, again and they're committing these crimes, which is a terrible thing. And the people who claim to stand for uh, for the Jewish people uh, against anti-Semitism, these leftist people, actually seem to not really care because they want these people to continue to come in and commit hate crimes against these people they claim to support. I mean, it's a disaster. I mean, have you been to Paris recently? I haven't, no. I mean, the last time I was in Paris, I believe, was 20, I want to say 2013. And back then, I mean, it was still, I mean, Paris is such a beautiful city. I mean, it really is a magical, beautiful city. And I was there probably 2012, 2013, and you could kind of see it bubbling up. You know, you could kind of see these these, uh, camps that they've set up, uh, these camps across Paris, but they weren't nearly as profuse as they are now. And it's just a shame that they are destroying the city. And by the way, we still, I don't mean to go into conspiracy territory here, but we still don't know what happened to Notre Dame. All right. I mean, that thing burned to the ground. Luckily, the structure is still there, the stone structure. But we're told it was an accident and they launched this investigation into it. And meanwhile, there was a spate of attacks against other churches. They are literally destroying. I'm not putting the blame on Muslims because we, we literally don't know because they refuse to do an adequate investigation on this. But regardless of Notre Dame or not, they are literally destroying one of the most beautiful cities on the planet. And it's such a shame. I mean, it's such a shame. And all it takes is assimilation. All it takes is some quotas. And if we get that here and if we don't learn from Europe here, we're going to screw ourselves and we're going to become the next Europe. And that makes me very sad. Yeah, I mean, we definitely don't want those same things happening here. Um, But luckily, one of the great things about uh, in the U.S. is, you know, we have our our First Amendment in the Constitution. We have freedom of speech in all these other European countries. They don't have that. I mean, you had a guy, I forget his name, but it was in in France who spoke out against this multiculturalism and these immigrants coming in. He got fined by Paris court for saying this. So uh, even if you go out in Europe and you say something against that, you can be fined. You can be uh, totally ostracized in your community. So it's it's really tough to even go out there. So I think a lot of these people who see what's going on in their communities feel very scared to even speak up against it. So these elitist politicians are going to continue to push these policies until literally there is no more Europe. There will be no more Europe if these things happen. And America is, once again, the last best hope for freedom in the world. Yeah, that was that was Eric Zamor, I believe. He's an author. And he warned about the Muslim invasion and the civil war. And the courts find him. The courts find him. And that's why the First Amendment is so important, because if we don't have the First Amendment, we turn into that. And we already have people on the left who are trying to eradicate the First Amendment, which is why we have to stand steadfast and not let them and not even budge an inch. You know, this hate speech stuff, forget it. You know what? If you find speech hateful, I'm sorry, you have to deal with it. But free speech is free speech is free speech. If you don't like it, argue against it, but you cannot ban it because if you do, then that's what we become. Want to quickly switch topics because you have another video that you shot recently. Um, and speaking of free speech, uh, these universities aren't exactly a bastion of free speech, even though they claim to be very progressive and very open and very tolerant. So we have a clip of you, Will, at Berkeley University, the woke capital of the United States and especially the university system. And they insist that you and I are bigots because we believe that there are two genders and they believe there are several thousand, if not more, genders. However, when you ask them, they weren't exactly able to name many of them. Let's watch. How many genders are there? Infinite. There's a spectrum of genders you can't really say. There are like five, six maybe. For me, gender is like a construct because gender is something that's that's made up. Oh, girl. It's like 72 plus or something. How many can you name? 
not all 72. All right, Will, how many can you name? I can name two. I can name <laughs> male and female. So those are the ones that I always keep track of. And as long as I know those two, I think I'll do okay. But it's funny because I go and I, I ask these people these questions and I say, you know, how many genders? A girl says there's infinite amount of genders. That doesn't even make any sense. That just means that you can make up whatever gender you want, whatever day you want. It, it, it really is complete brainwashing in the student's part. And you can tell that it's brainwashing because their convictions for these things go about that deep. They go about that deep because when I say name a few genders or, you know, anything other than male and female, they can't even do it. That's what I was going to ask you. Do you think they actually believe this stuff or do you think that it's trendy, it's popular, that's what their friends believe? Um, and in the same way, you know, yo-yos used to be popular, you know, in first grade or whatever. Um, they think that that's, uh, that's just what you do. Yeah, that might be a little out of my time. I never played with yo-yos. <laughs> I, I, I think it was like kindergarten or first yeah. grade, but you're a little younger than I am. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they're totally out of touch with reality, but it's it's so much. Okay, if you have never seen a PragerU video or you never have watched them on The Blaze or even watched Fox News or anything like that or heard conservative ideas, then all you're going to be seeing is these leftist ideas. I mean, think about Hollywood. Think about what's going on at universities. Think about what the media is reporting on. Like, all you're going to see is that there are these multiple genders and, and uh, everyone believes this. And if you don't believe it, you're a transphobe. So without even having, again, any sort of real conviction in these ideas, these students are taking that at face value and just saying, oh, there must be so many genders because uh, my professor told me to. Or my professor told me so, or a, a video on MTV told me that there are infinite amount of genders. You know what I mean? So they have no real backing for it. But they continue to believe it because in popular culture, it's the, the number one thing. And it's, you know, it's fun. It's easy to make fun of it because, you know, they have all these crazy pronouns and, you know, two spirit and Zim and Zer and Zay and Zop and whatever. But it is really dangerous for a couple of reasons. One reason, you know, there was this story about the kindergarten student who accidentally misgendered what appeared to be one gender. And, you know, you're a kindergartner. You say this person has a, you know, this person looks like a girl, talks like a girl, must be a girl, called it a girl. And then it ended up to be a guy and the kid had to be sent home. And then you had a teacher in the UK who I believe was actually um, either fined. I think they were fined, might have even been more than fined for uh, misgendering one of their students. And so you have people being literally punished for this nonsense. So it's easy to laugh at it. But it's also scary because studies show that the people who transition into another gender of the majority of those people are not happy with the transition are still depressed and the suicide numbers are through the roof so we're literally embracing this movement that drives people to suicide i don't get why we want to do that i mean the the suicide rate numbers are not just up for people who have the surgery but it's also up for the people who don't have the surgery before i mean they're astronomically Hi, these numbers of suicide. And so why we're pushing this on our culture, I have no idea. It's again, because these, these elitists who are in the media and at the universities, I think are too scared to actually go and, and say something or they're in their bubbles where they're basically controlled and they don't have to actually deal with these issues. And so they say, oh, there's all these genders and we need to support all these, these people in that way. And if you don't uh, agree that there are infinite amount of genders, you're transphobic. But Pushing this sort of culture on people is making people actually depressed. And we're seeing people kill themselves and people who are, again, like you're a seven-year-old kid and your your mom is forcing you to, to change your gender because maybe you like pink a little bit more than blue as a boy. It's absolutely ridiculous and it's destroying the, the fabric of our country. And 
countries across the world, too. Yeah. And then if the father doesn't want it, you know, the father might lose custody of the kid. And you're absolutely Uh right. They are pushing it into our culture. And we have this commercial from Sprite, which when's the last time anyone ordered a Sprite? I mean, this this company is obviously uh, on the desperate side. And so they are now going to social advocacy and social experimentation to try to sell the product. So let's watch this ad. Hold your head up high And don't be afraid of the dark So cheers, Will. You want a Sprite after that? Sprite is for women. That's just uh, <laughs> I don't know any men who drink Sprite. Um, but yeah, that is a, just a ridiculous ad that does not make me want to buy a Sprite at all. It makes me want to really do the opposite when you have a company that is, as, I mean, it's a soda. What does that have to do with, with people being trans? It's all just virtue signaling and pandering to people to push their own agenda to be, feel woke so that they can get people to buy their product. But yeah. I think really it's going to do the exact opposite. Sprite is for women or trans women? Might be for both. Which kind of women, though? Because, I mean, now there's a lot of women. Well, let's just say all 72 types of women. (laughs) All 72 types of women. I like that. Will Will Witt, I appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thank you so much for having me on, man. Thank you. All right. That was Will Witt of Prager University. You can find him on Twitter at TheWillWitt. And don't forget that the White House Brief is available as a podcast. Take the soothing sounds of my mellifluous voice with you wherever you go, by subscribing at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, anywhere you get your podcast. Don't forget to rate and review. Each comment you leave helps the podcast rise in the charts. So thank you for watching, everyone, and we will see you next time. A reminder to everyone, I'd really appreciate it if you'd please rate, review, and subscribe to the White House Brief Podcast. It will make sure the truth rises above all the other stuff out there. So please rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks for listening.